is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it is Ian, and also sitting in for Julia, who was sitting in for Mark. (laughs) We have, uh, well, he's been on the show once before as a guest but tonight, I don't know, what should we call you? Angry Josh or just Josh? I'm just Josh. Okay, that works for me. Josh is with us. He's known as Angry Josh in the cartoons. Uh, if you've uh, gone over to Dale's Anarchy in Your Head.com strip, uh, you know we have Dale on Thursday nights. Uh, he has turned you into a cartoon character. So many of our listeners may be very familiar with you uh, through the, the pages of the internet at anarchyinyourhead.com. I think I just generally have a colorful way of assessing some certain situations and... And that seems to inspire Dale to create a character. So, And you haven't been drinking uh, before the show tonight, uh, unlike your Porkfest appearance. No, no. <laughs> I didn't realize how drunk you were until like halfway through the interview when I was trying to make sense of what it was you were saying. I was doing... Did you play it back by any chance? Oh, I, I, I would listen to it when I got back, and some things were definitely slurred together. <laughs> I think I made a couple of excited comments to some people I just who wasn't didn't know sure. me. I just wasn't sure where the, where you were going with your point. I was doing my best to try to extract that from you. It may have been because I'd had a long day myself, uh, but I don't know. It, w- it was fun with what have become friends over the last year. So Porkfest was an amazing event. There's no doubt about it. So welcome to the program, Josh, uh, sitting here on the, uh, the third microphone. We're just going to jump right into things as we normally do. The show is about your calls. You can make them. Uh, call, call in, talk about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. We'll start with a story that I intended to mention, uh, to bring up last night, which ran out of time. The story from The Raw Story or rawstory.com where six members of London's Metropolitan Police Force are the focus of a criminal investigation after a corruption probe revealed allegations by a serving officer that detectives waterboarded suspects allegedly caught with a large amount of marijuana. You want to talk about the war on drugs going down a very dark, dark path. I mean, it has gone, uh, you think, you'd thought it was insane enough as it was with millions of innocent, peaceful people being locked in prison cells around the world. I mean, that was bad enough. The corruption, the police corruption, the, uh, the abuse, the stealing, the theft, uh, the violence that erupts from the war on drugs, all of that bad enough. But now waterboarding peaceful marijuana dealers? Well, you're seeing, I think, a side effect of the militarization of the police force. Like a lot of a lot of these people are coming back some of from them, the military from, from a war zone, and so they yeah. have this militant uh, mindset. I have, a, I have a friend who went over there who was thrilled that he got to run around and kick people's doors in on raids. Really, that was really uh, exciting to him. That was one of the reasons why he went over. Yeah, it's part of the reason I don't talk to that person so much anymore. I don't blame you, but you know they're just obviously taking whatever steps they can to ramp up their. Their spy system. It's it's madness. I mean, they normally, when they arrest somebody for uh, drug possession, they try to turn them against whoever it is that that sold the the drugs to them. And of course, the good guys will uh, not snitch out on their buddies. And a lot of people do snitch. I used to know somebody who was ratted on by his own brother. That's so, bad. I mean, you never know who to, who's going to roll over on you. But 
when they start employing tactics like this... Well, when you, you start calling it enhanced interrogation, it's going to trickle down the ladders to, the to, to your local law enforcement. It's, it's very scary. I, I don't think anybody saw this one coming. I have to say, I didn't see this one coming, and... Uh, it's very rare that I'm surprised by the depravity of the, the police state. It's because we see so many stories. Uh, it becomes desensitizing to where you see a story of grandparents getting their door kicked in and shot in the head. Uh, or, you know, you see a story about the police shooting a little baby or a dog or something like that. As I, they heard, go I heard in. one just this morning of a 120-pound 14-year-old boy tasered by a 200-pound school resource officer to break up a fight on the football field. Just a few days ago, it was a 14-year-old girl that was tasered in the head. I didn't hear that. Yeah, there's just so many there's stories. There's no shortage. No right. shortage. There's so days. many stories you can't hear them all. Uh, there are stories. We could devote an entire three-hour show and still not cover likely a couple weeks' worth of activities by the police. But... But people, now waterboarding. Yeah, the apologists still want to say that they're statistically so insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like these rare, these rare, seemingly rare instances of of overuse of police force. It's I think any any of this is is too much. It is, absolutely is, but where does it stop? Of course, is the question. It stops where you want it to stop, Ian. Well, wh- how, now when you say that, what do you mean by that? Well, it takes one person at a time just saying no. Sadly, some people become victimized in the process. I'm well, not that's true. into martyrdom. I'm not advocating martyrdom. No, but uh, you're right. And, but it has to be more than just saying no. It has to be standing by your no. Because it's one thing to say no and then go ahead and pay taxes, which is what I do. You know, I've, I've, I'm still paying taxes because I'm afraid that these people that otherwise might be waterboarding somebody. And I realize this is only happening in the U.K. that we know of. I realize that. But it's being test piloted in the, the UK. The US goes, it seems, as far as a police state is concerned, where the uh, the UK sort of cuts the uh, blazes the trail, and so there's no uh, there's no reason why this couldn't come here. Well, it's easier to claim precedent when you're oppressing people. It was done there. It worked there. Right. And so would love to hear how you feel about this at 800-259-9231. I mean, I can't imagine anybody supports it. Even at this point, even the government people are feigning as though they're surprised. Even the, the people within the state are acting uh, shocked by this, and so there is an investigation. Uh, whether this will actually come to any uh, sort of conclusion is always another question. Usually police investigations conclude that the police were well within their rights to do whatever abuse it was that they did. The story says the officers under investigation were among 10 based in Enfield, North London, who were suspended in February of one of the worst allegations of corruption to hit the Metropolitan Police in recent years, according to The Telegraph. The part of the inquiry focusing on alleged police brutality has been taken over by the Independent Police Complaints Commission. It's examining the conduct of six officers connected to drug raids in November, in which four men and women were arrested. The publication added that police said they found a large amount of cannabis, and the suspects were charged with an importation of a Class C drug. Cannabis isn't even as high up as some other drugs on the British tiering uh, scale. Class C is not, uh, the, as I understand it at least, that is not the most uh, intense of punishment classes. The thing that gets in my mind is I have chemicals underneath my sink that carry just a, a warning of keep out of your eyes, do not expose to children, caustic chemicals could... My favorite one is the one that says don't use in a manner that is not prescribed by federal law or something like that. Or something like that. Basically, if you don't do exactly as you're instructed, whatever happens to your person is a result of this. If you pour Drano crystals down your throat, you've accepted whatever damage that's going to do to your body. But sure. when it comes to these things labeled drugs, that seems that logic seems to magically disappear. What do you mean by that? If you're following that same train of logic, if I'm 
15 years old, and I could walk in and buy uh, some sort You mean of, in the status mind? Yeah, some caustic cleaning right. elements. They're far more dangerous to my health and anyone around me than any marijuana ever would but be. But it's not about that, is it? I mean, isn't it about the altered state? Isn't it about the, the, the fact that... Because if it was about just hurting yourself, then you're right. They would put uh, Drano behind uh, the counter. You'd have to have a prescription. You'd have to you know, show that you were proficient in how to unclog drains. And you'd have to go through those steps to get your hands on that. But it's not really about safety. It's about the, it's about the experience, isn't it? It, it, is, it is a gateway drug, Ian. It's a... Gateway, most people's first gateway into true self-awareness. You mean any sort of psychedelic experience? Absolutely, to to be simultaneously in yourself, yet apart from yourself, and a part of all around you. Uh, that's kind of a <laughs> scary, scary thing for some people. Sure it is. Sure it is. Especially to people that have been trained that uh, any sort of alteration of, uh, of one's consciousness is unacceptable. But most Americans don't even believe that. Well, most Americans are fully uh, ex- accepting of altering illegal. one's state. It's the illegal. It's factor. illegal. That's what they're up against, and it's a gateway there too. Is marijuana seems to be at least most of the people I've encountered in my life. It's pretty much the first threshold that you cross over the status mentality, where you where you're saying you can't do that, and therefore you're yeah, the the, the fear mongering that comes with it, the, the threats of it's destroying your future, being on your permanent record forever. You'll never get federal money for this. Mm-hmm. You could go to prison for that. You will never get your driver's license again. All these sort of things. You go into the experience with that looming over your head. Then you have either a powerful or a small psychedelic experience, if at all. And you come through the end of yeah. that tunnel, usually unscathed. They lied to me. They is lied what I to, realized, they lied right? to you. It, it's a gateway to thinking for yourself. You're right about that. And it, re- it really was, uh, marijuana for me was the gateway into the liberty movement. A- absolutely. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. So uh, whether it's altered states, you want to comment on uh, why it is that drugs have been prohibited, because there are a lot of different reasons. I believe that uh, that pro- just prohibiting people from experiencing altered states is a motivation for some of the prohibitionists. Uh, for others, uh, there could be a, a competitive factor in industry. We can touch on that in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves, bring up anything you want. Toll-free number is brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. That's 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Josh. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the live streams, got a broadband version, dial-up version, even a webcam. So if you want to see what Josh looks like in real life, not in the cartoon world, uh, you can see that at cam.freetalklive.com or get any of the streams and the cam at listen.freetalklive.com. That's probably the best link, listen.freetalklive.com. From creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-liberty activism than you ever imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, learn more at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Now, we can come back and continue the discussion about drug prohibition and what are the reasons and motivations behind it, uh, all of that. I would like to do that, but I also want to take phone calls. So we'll make a note and go to Chris in Texas. You can bring up anything. Chris, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, how you guys doing? Chris, what's, uh, what's up? How you doing? Well, you know, up until about a year and a half ago, I was a, a pretty devout Republican, and okay. I, uh, some of us have been there. I'm, yeah, I've made yeah, the switch it, from like liberal to kind of conservative libertarian type in less than a year, so I understand. The the transition to liberty is a it's an interesting one, but 
I, I, something happened to me last night. My my mom is a, a hardcore Democrat. I mean, she she just bleeds socialism. And mm-hmm. anyway, I, it's it's always really interesting conversations talking with her because you know obviously there's there's no hatred there, so we can really talk about these things. That's and, good. Uh, I, I was making a point last night, and th- this actually kind of bothered me. And I know you guys probably, you know, y'all are going to be on the same page as me on this, but I, I'm actually looking for maybe a caller that can answer this question. And in, in arguing with my mom last night, and uh, we were talking about the health care and how the government wants to take over everything, I said, well, you know, Mom, just give me an example of one thing that the government does well. Good and question. I, you know, I was expecting an answer, and she, it stopped her dead in her tracks. <laughs> And, I, the, and Harry I, Brown used to ask that as, "What's your favorite government program?" But yours might even may, might even be a better version of the question. It, it's been bothering me all day. I mean, so much so that I, you know, I'm I'm looking for a bigger audience of somebody somewhere, you know, come up with something. I, I, well, I have I, an answer, but I want to ask Josh as uh, the new guy here to uh, chime in first. I, I really on. can't think of any program that works kind of well. Oh, um, wait, wait. It wasn't what government program. His no. question was, what does the government do well? Oh, wasn't that your question? What do, what do they do well? Um, well, I, I mean, I guess there, there is the well. obvious one. They they take our money well. But There's one. Okay. What, what, do, what do they do well as far as for us? Well, as far as for you, uh, nothing. But the, as far as what they do well, they kill people pretty effectively. I mean, whether it's – now, of course, now we're talking about how well do they do it. Well, could, could a private organization kill people more effectively? Most likely. But thank goodness private organizations aren't interested in doing that kind of business because it's too costly. It doesn't make any sense from an economic standpoint. They do build roads, Ian. They don't do that well, though. The, the roads around here have a lot of potholes, and we got congestion everywhere. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to disagree on the roads. But killing, they do fairly well. I mean, if you look back at the history of government uh, in the 20th century alone, millions of people's lives perished at the hands of their governments or somebody else's governments. And so I would say that's probably one of the best things they do. They also pollute pretty effectively. Uh, the U.S. military is the number one polluter, at least in this country, probably worldwide. But I, I know for the very least in the United States, the U.S. military is number one, bigger the, a bigger polluter than all the top four corporate polluters combined. I believe that's Dr. Mary Roark's oh, yeah. book, uh, Healing Our World. So killing, polluting, stealing, you know, taking taxes oh, yeah. and uh, indoctrinating, they're pretty effective at that. Uh, strangling well, Ian, competition. It, Don't forget that. There's that. I, yeah. I got to. I got to tell you, you know, I'm really looking for that warm, fuzzy feeling, and you're not giving it to me here. <laughs> hey, I'm just answering the question. You asked what the government does well, and I've given you at least three or four uh, different things that they oh. do very well. I was reading Newsweek while I waited for a haircut today, and I was trying to. They were trying to sell me on Medicare, uh, as on nationwide scale. Yeah. yeah, they're liking it too to Medicare, and saying that. That that's desirable. Yeah, I think the statistics they gave that three percent of uh, administrative costs come out of the Medicare. I mean, only three percent of Medicare uh, premiums is overhead. Yeah, is that what they're saying? Yeah, that's they Ludicrous. claim they claim three percent, whereas like the private insurance sector is somewhere like ten to thirteen percent. That seems absurd to me. Not that it would matter anyway, because it's still coercive. So even if you could get a 3% overhead by coercively funding your organization, I'm still not going to support it. Yeah, finely tuned and well-functioning, tyranny is still tyranny. So you you can still throw the question out there, uh, Chris, and maybe somebody will come up with a, with an answer for you. Some of the more popular answers, I think, that if you ask that question to more people, you might hear the space program. 
you know that because that's kind of the warm fuzzy ooh, exploring space and you yeah. might hear uh the weather service you know weather hey how can yeah. you screw that one up you might just try a different angle and try to be more positive about it instead of finding uh pointing out all of the government programs that are abysmal just pick out the gems of the, of the market that do what they do very well yeah although- i think that would i think that would be be interesting i'm i'm actually i'm a i'm an insurance adjuster and i Mm-hmm. I follow the the NOAA website pretty pretty closely to to monitor the hurricanes and stuff because mm-hmm. it you know it matters with my work a, a whole lot and uh, I, I, I even that you know I I think that it's really overpriced and you know for the for what you're really getting for for how much of an investment we've made in some of these government entities that are supposed to be monitoring and well yeah you know, I mean when you turn tracking, when when you turn for re- the weather information, do you turn to your local television station, the Weather Channel, or the weather radio frequency that the government is putting out there? I mean, I go to weather.com if I want to get uh, what the the forecast is. I don't go to the NOAA website. I use a widget on my on my Mac. That's my weather. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. So and and it's not to say that those things couldn't be done. And of course, when somebody does bring those things up, then we get into the definition of well, you said well, does the government do this well? Well, it seems to me that there are a lot of other agencies that do weather a whole lot better than the government does for a whole lot cheaper. And as far as space travel is concerned, now they've been blown. NASA has been blown out of the water by the uh, the privateers out there competing for things like the X Prize. There's so much you can point to nowadays, which you couldn't do uh, two decades ago if you'd had this conversation. Two decades ago, the NASA thing would be a tough one to handle. You would just have to talk about how you believe the market would do a better job. Now we have the evidence to show that the market is doing a better job in that area. So of those two well, real feel-good programs, it's pretty easy to knock them down. Yeah, you, I mean, you had the guy with, uh, I can't remember his name, but he worked. It was Lockheed Martin or Boeing or somebody, and he came up with the whole Mars Direct plan at a tenth of the cost of NASA's plan to get to Mars. And it's just really disheartening. So I'm, I'm going to let you guys go, but yeah, if anybody's got an answer to that, shoot, you know, help me out. I, <laughs> what is I, I the government good at? Lost. The question was, what does the government uh, do well? Was that the question? That's yeah. What what's something that they have done a good job at? All right, uh, thanks. Aside from killing us and taking our money. Yep. Thank you for throwing that out there, and uh, thanks for sharing the conversation you had with your mom, because it's always interesting to hear what people's experiences are in bringing the ideas of freedom to whether it's a coworker or a family member or a loved one of some uh, in some way a friend, because there are a lot of different things that'll happen in those conversations, and we can all learn from this. I know that I, I'm a little jealous. He actually gets to have intelligent conversations with his mother about these things yeah mine just turned into violent arguments so i i eventually yeah. gave up but my, my mom wouldn't get friends. she wouldn't get violent but i don't think i would let it get to that point uh she would get very upset and get angry and that was enough for me i don't want to keep talking if that's going to be i walked out of dinner one time just because we, oh, that's we, were, a shame. Out, we were out at a uh, family dinner out at some restaurant I just, i'm out of here can't handle this more on the way here you can bring up whatever you want 800-259-9231 this is free talk live They say we're hated for our freedoms. Their solution? Take away our freedoms. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. They spend both your lives and your money with reckless abandon. We're out of money now. We're operating uh, in deep deficits. One organization dares to dream of a world where nations compete for citizens instead of enslaving them. The Seasteading Institute is looking for pioneers to homestead the high seas and take civilization to the next level. Join the revolution at Seasteading. Dot org. This is 
Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Josh. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and those features include the updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. As we continue taking your calls, let's talk to Drew in Florida. Drew, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I was uh, just watching the History Channel, and they have a uh, show about the Bilderberg Group. Uh, so I guess now they're admitting they exist. Six months ago they were saying, oh, no, you're crazy for thinking they exist, you know, to everybody that go on the news, you know, and talk about it. So I was just listening to uh, Harry Brown's Rule Your World, uh, I think Disc 13, uh, prior to the program tonight. I was doing some cleaning, and he was talking about relevance. And, of course, uh, he made some great points, and it uh, rang real true to me because I make these same points every time someone calls with these points, uh, these Bilderberg conspiracy things and the, what is it, the Bohemian Grove and the 9-11 and all that. And so I will ask you the same question I ask everyone else. Why is this relevant to me? Why is it relevant to you? Are you still there? Guess not. Yeah, yeah. Are you there? Go yeah. ahead. Oh, I uh, I figured it was relevant because the number was on Alex Jones' website. Oh, so. so you think you're talking to Alex Jones? Yeah, that's what I thought. No, uh, sorry no. about that. When our board ops answer the phone, they say, Free Talk Live, then they ask what your name is. So you're on Free Talk Live where you can talk about anything. So we will allow you to call in and talk about conspiracy stuff, but you will have your feet held to the fire here. You know, we're not going to just pat you on the back and say, Good job doing that research. Keep it up. Because uh, here's how I feel about it. I feel like uh, I love liberty and freedom, and that is, uh, those are two of the most important things, uh, or two, one of the most important things in my life is to, uh, is to attain as much of it as I possibly can. And I just don't understand how it is that uh, the truth behind JFK, the truth behind 9-11, the truth behind uh, the, you know, the Bilderbergers or whatever the hell it is that the issue is of the moment, as far as the conspiracy of the moment is, I just don't understand how in any way that is relevant to me achieving liberty in my lifetime. Or you for yours. If that's what's important to you, it may not be important to you. Learning about learning everything that you can about a conspiracy theory and then uh, learning more and more and more, you know, could just be your hobby and that's just all you want to do with your time. I what's your I goal? I think it's more about knowing your enemy, Ian, and really coming to terms. I mean, it's a case by case. Are you one of the Bilderbergers? Are you one? Of, you I, know, I, I guess I'll acknowledge their existence. It's hard not to, but 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 there. But when you say it's knowing your enemy. The, the purpose behind knowing your enemy is knowing how to, uh, to respond or to, to deal with them. When you're ta- what you're talking about here are people that, uh, that meet in some hotel uh, half a world away from wherever you are generally, and they allegedly plot evil things and uh, plot the takeover of the world. And in what way is knowing any of that's happening changing how you live your daily life in what way is knowing and having the knowledge about that or the alleged knowledge because a lot of what they say about the Bilderbergers is alleged from the supposed insiders and all that how does that change how you are today about your life for the future well sometimes it could put you through varying degrees of fear like my what my, good is fear my finding about the free state project and moving out to Keene from within New Hampshire is a direct result of kind of falling into the the, the 9-11 trap you know, I had a hard really? time coming. I had a hard time coming to terms with um, not buying the official story mm-hmm. and the the type of fear that can go through you. 
I was in the eleventh grade when I saw it on TV, and you know immediately fell into the fear trap. So I I, I recently watched uh, Alex's latest movie just 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 for informational purposes and entertainment. Oh, but he makes great movies. I really like the guy's movies. And I like the reporting he does on on the police state. I think he's really spot on. Uh, it's helpful to know who's financing that sort of thing. Is it helpful? I mean, what what is that going to change? What what are you going to do about that? Well, I've I mean, already... these are the most powerful bankers in the world, and uh, other people, the most powerful industrialists or whatever. Counter economics, Ian. Well, I've done plenty of counter economics. Well, you so you're doing something. You, about you can it. do counter economics whether or not you know who the rich bankers are. You can do counter-economics, you can do activism, and you can do all these things without knowing what hotel the Bilderbergers are meeting in this year. Oh. Do you see where I'm coming from oh, on you're, this? You're talking about the real specifics. That's what these people obsess over, is the specifics of, well, well they're planning to eliminate 80% of the world's population. You don't need to know, I mean, whether they're doing that or not, whether it's 50% or, or whatever, you don't need to know all that to focus on what's important to you in your life. And that's why I'm saying, if what's important to you is knowing all this minutia about what you believe happened on 9-11 or you believe the Bilderbergers are up to, then that's fine. Everybody's got to have their hobby. But don't try to tell me that it's relevant. I, maybe that's not what you're trying to tell me. Well, if you buy into the, the globalist mindset, I agree with you. It's much more effective to each each person where you are. Take take the, the liberty for yourself. It's not a commodity to be to be to be spenced out or written down on paper and granted to people. It's yours for the taking. It's been yours all along. True, and you have to step up and do that. But sitting there and doing a bunch of research about uh, who owns what and who's in control of what and, and and all of that, I don't know if that really gets you any 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 bit closer to that goal of freedom. I don't think it does. You personally doing the research? No, but you know if if say. My whole problem with statism and and uh, and the, the mindset is because of what happened in in Europe and Russia in the the teens through the forties, mm-hmm. all the fascist states that that rose up, claimed to do things in the name of the people, murdered the people for their own good. To to know that maybe the money that funded these things is ill-gotten, ill-produced. Fraudulent. The people that they're stealing money it. from people. I mean, we. Th- this is the other thing. And uh, are you still there, Drew? Drew, Drew's yeah. not too quick to respond. Yeah. You are still there. Okay. Well, uh, so I have to ask you, what is your intention in uh, spreading this information? What is your purpose? Point. The point being is, if enough people knew about the way the, the world economy is manipulated. Maybe people would stop buying all these products. If you research Edward That's Binet, what you want Binet, people to do is stop buying products? No, 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 not like that. I mean, the, the way that they have the market set up that funds the, these monopolies, you know, like... What monopolies? Secret, Nike show, uh, Those aren't monopolies. Those are big corporations with a fairly decent yeah. market influence, but you, they're no, not monopolies. You can have all the is, same people in the market. Like, I, I, I agree in the fact that it's good to know what... The banks are really all about. That's why I've withdrawn my support from banks. I, I try to do as much silver as I can. I'm, I'm kind of locked into the, the. I didn't say there was anything wrong paradigm. with knowing about the banking system and understanding the system. What I have a, an issue with is the conspiracy theory world goes so deep, the rabbit hole goes so far. And whether you just kind of uh, dance around the outside of it and glance in uh, from time to time, you know, 
there's no harm in that. Once you start digging in and you dig in and you dig in and you dig in, it never ends. And then, you know, before you know it, you're out there espousing uh, that there are lizard people that uh, that projected holograms into the side of uh, of the Twin Towers. I mean, the, it goes that deep. Okay. And well, so you're not pers- – that is not persuasive. I'll, and I'll put my- it succinctly. All those who would wish to control, enslave, and steal, or direct from you, or direct your life, should be resisted. The rest totally. is just drama. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's why I think that getting on the air, whether you're a radio show host or a caller, and trying to uh, to persuade people with this information, if that is your purpose, is futile. Because while there are some people that may glom onto it and may get excited by it and may end up in the right place, as it sounds like you might have. Uh, done. I don't. I don't bemoan that at all. But what I'm concerned with is all the people who are turned off by it at the same time that just say, you know, that's crack pottery. I think most of it's crack pottery. You know, there's chemtrails. They're Obsessing on it might, might be, but like they're processing the information oh, and integrating it. Is a bunch of crap. See, there you are. See, you haven't gone all the way down the yeah, rabbit hole. Oh no, no, no. See, some things are real and some things aren't. And I could differentiate differentiate between those things. The the banking scheme, now, you know, that's, that's you know, realistic. The reptilians, all this other crap I hear about. But the further down the rabbit hole you go, the more difficult it becomes to persuade people on those things. And I thank you for the call tonight. The more difficult it becomes. That's why I stop at the real-life tangible stories, the concrete examples of... Some guy got waterboarded for being a cannabis dealer. It's it's your life and your the immediate scope of your life. That should be your concern. 800-259-9231. Point to real-life stories that nobody can deny. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. And tonight it's Ian here with you. And Josh. Uh, Josh, one of the other keniacs in the area here. And New Hampshire native, Not actually. that I am. I don't think here. Do we have any other New Hampshire natives on the show? I don't think Toby. we do. Yeah, Toby. Well, he no, comes Nick. in. Oh, Nick is Nick a is a New Hampshire native. That's right. That's right. How did I forget that? We just have so many darn co-hosts, and they're so talented. Um, so thanks for coming in here tonight. It no was problem. a very short notice thing. In fact, you just happened to show up here uh, by complete chance. Yeah, that's sort of like the community that's erupted around here. What do you mean? People just show up at your house? No, just like the oh, sort, okay. sort of tight-knit, <laughs> tight-knit thing. Like At least like the keen free state has become. Yeah. I mean, these people I've known... Less than a year are some of the best friends I've had in my life. So. Well, like I was saying at Porkfest, uh, these are relationships that, presuming folks stay here in New Hampshire, and I'm not going anywhere, no. uh, are going to be lifelong friendships. Porkfest was great because I just get there. I'm setting up my tent, and I see 30 faces I've gotten to know over the past year. And it's if, if you've moved out here, if you're thinking of moving out here, that's probably the place to do it. What, out to Keene? Well, to Keen or or to come to a pork fest or an oh event. yeah oh okay gotcha yeah, these absolutely. are these are the people that you're probably looking for they are certainly the people that I'm looking for I've never had so much fun in my whole life that's great uh, so again thanks for coming out here let's dig, I want to dig in a little bit here into what you said and then we'll get back into taking the phone calls absolutely but we are talking with uh, one of the conspiracy callers. And you actually mentioned that you found the liberty movement through the whole 9/11 truth thing, and and I normally when that stuff co- comes in or when those calls come in, I always go the the route of a- asking what the relevance is, and we usually uh, talk about how it is that the 
conspiracy theorist movement in general is very defeatist in that uh, if you list the more you listen to them the more you hear this message of they control everything they are in you control you will be dominated you will be dominated you will it's a police state a prison planet assimilate uh, Right, uh, they're going to kill 80% of the population, so you've nothing to live for, stock up on all the food that you can, uh, just kind of this doomsday attitude of there's, there is no hope. You know, oh, except Ron Paul, vote for Ron Paul and he'll fix everything. Well, oh, he lost. See, there's no hope. There's no hope. And so it's this, uh, this constant message. And what you had said was that it was a depressing thing when you Absolutely. first came across that. Um, I fell prey to, to the, the 9-11 movement because I did not believe the official story and I had a hard time coming to deal with that, you know. Uh, the this government and in in our uh, school schooling, uh, it's no shortage of reminding us how evil the other governments of the world were and all yeah. the their own citizens that they murdered. So I suspended disbelief for a moment and entertained the possibility that I lived in a reality where. That, that could, could be the reality here. Sure, it could be, and that's why I say when these guys call in, it's like, look, I'm not taking the government's side. I don't believe what they say, but I don't necessarily believe what some guy on the radio says either. It doesn't matter to me. But that the 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 fact that you are saying that it was a depressing thing for you. How long did that last? Oh, phew, a long time. So how old were you when you came across? I the was info? 21 years old, and you are now 24. Okay. And so how long is a long time? I mean, that's three years, so... I mean, coming out of sort of like the crest of it now, but... Really? Okay. You know, wow. When you, that is a long time. Yeah, when you suspend that disbelief and you entertain that possibility that the, your protectors really are your destroyers and are capable. They're just human beings, but despite what you know, colors you may wave around or whatever maps you want to draw. But the way that's relevant is because... Some of that information could end up bringing you down paths you might not have otherwise been. Because just, just prior to that, I was all caught up in the hoopla of promoting John Kerry, getting John Kerry <laughs> over George W. Bush. Oh. I mean, I started to kind of clue in there yeah. that was going on when they ran the Swift Boat campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some years passed, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. Uh, started reading some more books. I ended up... Uh, having a conversation with someone from one of my Aikido classes about this one night, and about that, the whole conspiracy thing, or yeah, just in general, where I was at politically and my fears for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back, kill eighty percent of us. Yeah, or going back and learning more about about the Cold War and coming to like terms with that stuff, and you know, reading some more things mm-hmm. and realizing that collectivism was and was really the source of all of this stuff. Sure. So that person ended up being Mike Ruff, which he was an early mover, very early mover free out stater. here. Uh, free yeah. So that's how I got introduced to the Free State Project. How about that? We'd carpool us into your show and um, started doing more research, and I ended up moving out to Keene. What changed the depression thing? I mean, you said you were just coming out of it just now after three years. Uh, what, what started to change it? What helped move you along? Well, no, no one's depressed because they have a lack of Xanax in their body. It's circumstances in one's life that will bring them down, um, certain 
failures, perceived failures. It's uh, how you interpret yeah, the inability to realize your vision in life, maybe a lack of, of the camaraderie or companionship you, you thought you would have. And a lot of people have that at a young age, especially yeah. just getting out of, uh, for instance, like a government indoctrination uh, system like the government school. They don't uh, really give young people a real understanding of what life is like. And so I could, under, I could imagine how uh, you said lack of vision. There aren't very many 18-year-olds that get out of school with a real vision for yeah. what they want to do. At that, at that point in my life, Ian, I was waking up from the American dream. Yeah. Okay. And kind of seeing things more lucidly. But, you know, it's, it's brought me to places in my life that, now, looking back, seemed inevitable. It kind of seemed inevitable that I would end up here at this point in my life with the people who are here. It's and funny I'm glad how that for is. All right, 800-259-9231. So that confirms my belief that it is a uh, very defeatist kind of uh, mentality, and I'm glad that you found the activist movement, because these are people that do things. The conspiracy guys call talk shows and talk about d- details of minutiae and, you know, how big the engines were on the 747 and all that and why, you know, the, the thermal melting point of steel and all of this stuff that just doesn't really matter in the scheme of things as far as attaining liberty and helping convince people that the government, as you said, the supposed protectors are actually the biggest threat to mm. your freedom. Uh, it's much uh, much easier to convince people of that, in my opinion, when you stick to the facts of real-life concrete examples of tyranny after tyranny after tyranny after tyranny, as we can do on this show. There's story after story every day that nobody can say, well, I don't believe you, because that's the official story is the tyranny. There's well, no conspiracy there. You don't the, have to the, convince The provable anyone. circumstance after circumstance is what kind of erodes the foundation of of the myths around things like 9/11 if you in the Bilderbergers it seems more plausible when you have this case study of failure and corruption to go by I see that 800-259-9231 we will go to your calls Eric in Texas you're on free talk live on the amp line hello evening gentlemen hey Eric evening. what's on your mind tonight hey earlier this week you mentioned the story about the uh, the DC police chief uh, whining about people using an app on the iPhone to uh, uh, warn each other about uh, police traps. Yes, and she uh, called them cowards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you, you didn't know the name, so I'll give you the name. It's the Trapster app. Uh, Trapster, okay. okay. Was yeah. Paul Revere a coward then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it only for D.C., or does it work for the rest of the country? It works for the entire country. Oh, cool! Beautiful. Uh, yeah, and this is this is uh, uh, it's very it's actually very simple to use. There's a big button on the bottom of the app uh, that says "Report Police," and it uses your GPS location, so you don't have to you oh, know awesome. worry about getting the right right location and all that. You just hit the button, and it immediately uh, uses that location, and then you can choose whether it's a it's a camera light or a mobile nice. camera. That was going to be my next question. Where I come from, we just yeah. kind of flash our lights at people. <laughs> They're starting yeah. here, though. It could be a cop or a moose. Just be on your guard. But but New Hampshire is beginning to get the cameras. Like, down in Nashua, I understand mm. they're just now going to be installing and they're the... they're installed uh, the in secret cameras. locations. You won't know where they are. Well, until they find them. And I mean, if you yeah. get caught by one, you're going to find out where the camera was, right? Mm. Well, it's that, that really shiny that's brick. One, that's one of the great things about this app is it's got so many classifications. Like, you can say... You know, there may not be a cop here right now, but I know that they hang out here a lot. Nice. And nice it, usual spots. Yeah. That's cool. And, so and now, quick question, is, technical question. Is it just for right. iPhone users, or have they expanded out to other smartphones like Blackberries and things like that? Um, from my knowledge right now, it's just iPhone. Okay. Um, but I'm, I don't see why they couldn't expand to other platforms very easily. 
Um, and, and the cool thing is you, you were – one of the questions that you and Mark had the other night was, you know, well, how, how gameable is this? Like, could the cops go in and game it? Yeah. Uh, it, it's actually uh, pretty game-proof because what will happen is as you're driving along, it will alert you that cops often drive here. And if, you, if you're somebody who lives in that neighborhood, you go, well, that's just a bunch of bunk. You can say, nope, they don't. Uh, so you can vote them up or down, and the icon will change color based on. Uh-huh. You know, how and there are more of us than there are of them, so the more votes yeah. uh, that uh, we put in, the better off. Just we'll don't be. cry wolf. That's brilliant. Trapster yeah. is the application, and is it free? It's. it's uh, I think it's one ninety nine. Well worth it. That's a dollar ninety nine, right? Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, Eric. Hour number two is on the way. If that saves you from a two hundred dollars speeding ticket, Absolutely. spend that money. Hour two is coming up. Free talk live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Josh. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We will take your calls about anything if you make them. Otherwise, we talk about things interesting to us. And last hour, we'd gotten into a discussion, and I said we'd pick it up again, about drugs. Actually, what sparked the discussion was the uh, allegations from the United Kingdom about a handful of police officers who have apparently been waterboarding their marijuana dealer suspects to get information. Fantastic. Yeah, that was disturbing enough on its own. Just another example of the depravity, uh, the the levels, uh, the, the low, low levels that these people will stoop to in the name of stopping somebody from smoking a joint or possessing a plant. So that's absurd enough as it was, but then we got into the conversation of altered states, the reason why prohibitions happen. And in the case of the U.S. drug prohibition, you can go back into, I mean, if we just want to talk about marijuana, that's fine, but I think we need to talk about the whole thing. In the case of U.S. drug prohibition, at least with marijuana back in the 30s, you could point out that one of the main reasons it was made uh, criminal was because uh, William Randolph Hearst was one of them. Who was the other? There was another guy, I think, that was real. The, the DuPont company also mm-hmm. was was involved in this. And the idea was that hemp was so dangerous of a crop because they had gone and made investments in, uh, as, as far as Hearst was concerned, he was a newspaper man, so he'd made investments in forests. And DuPont had made investments in other kind of, I guess it was tex- textiles, would that be the category? Yeah. Um, so since they'd already... Silly, you know, they made a mistake. Business people make mistakes uh, sometimes. 
they made the mistake of investing in something that was just more costly than hemp. And so uh, hemp, being a weed, is pretty easy to grow. Oh, yeah. There was also the sort of racist overtones that they were using to stigmatize its use. Yes. There those Mexicans and those blacks use it. But you could point out that the real driving force was the fact that they wanted to prevent competition in their industry from somebody coming in and, and using the hemp product to compete with them. That was probably, the, from my understanding of what happened back then, the main reason. All of the other things were just excuses to, to rile people up about it. But then you have to ask yourself about things like LSD or mushrooms or something like that. Where is there really an industry component there to the reason why those were, were banned? No, I, I don't believe so. I mean, what could it have possibly have been? What's the what? industrial application for DMT? You you could make the argument that maybe some psychologists would be put out of jobs, but they could use those things to help treat patients. Like oh, MDMA I believe psychologists been... would have more work than they know what to do with. Yeah. MDMA, um, there are a lot of psychologists who have looked at MDMA as a, a, as a real helpful drug and have been using it underground uh, secretly with, with certain patients and testing it to help them break through some of the boundaries they might have built up around a traumatic event or something like that. And it's been a very therapeutic thing. So I don't think that's it. I, and I'm, I was reaching looking for that one. I'm just thinking, what, you know, where else? Uh, mushrooms, LSD, MDMA, all these other things. Where is the industrial threat for those products? I don't know if there is one. Maybe there was, but it seems to me that the only excuse to banning those is you just don't want people to get to experience those things. Well, the ones that are like self-renewable that you can just grow anywhere uh, are probably an industry threat to pharmaceuticals. Possibly. Possibly. Why would you buy THC capsules made by Pfizer if you could just grow it yourself? You wouldn't. Yeah, well, there you're back to there you're back to uh, THC or or marijuana, which is the active ingredient in marijuana, but or, I, or dried and controlled portions portions of mushroom cap and stem or syringes of heroin, whatever whatever you would have. It seems easiest to go with the moralist viewpoint, though, doesn't it? I mean, as far as on those things, the whoever it is that's in control of the government, they've got their set of morals. They believe their set of morals is the right set, and that therefore it should be enforced at the threat of violence against everybody else. That, to me, seems to be the answer. But maybe there is somebody out there that knows more about the history of the prohibitions of these other uh, drugs, because honestly, I've never really done any serious digging into their histories. I've only really dug into the marijuana prohibition. Uh, is it just because of moralist uh, a- attitudes and you know, just trying to force somebody's belief system well, on somebody else? That's where prohibition seems to start. I mean, I remember being taught and learning that uh, the alcohol prohibition started because of uh, the Christian women's temperance movement. Mm-hmm. A bunch of angry Christian housewives who were, weren't pleased that their husband was out at night drinking and not being home. Right. And, sort and so of, they got active. And sort of un- unfairly, unjustly, unwarrantedly. No, that's not a word, but... Sort of it is now. Bl- blamed all those evils and their own dissatisfactions with society and not living up to their moral precepts. They, they blamed yeah. it on malted barley. It's yeah. pretty absurd. So I believe that to be the case. But if you can clarify, I would love to hear from you. Otherwise, we'll bring up you can bring up whatever you want. And ladies first, Lauren. We go to Nelsonville, listening to WAIS. Hey, Lauren, you're on the air. Free talk. Hey, how live. are you doing? You hit my hot button. Oh, good. I like hey, it when that. Hey, with regard to the alcohol prohibition, that was Westerville, Ohio, was where that started. Uh-huh. And guess who was funding the temperance movement? The alcohol industry. No. Kind of like, guess who's funding this, you know, why would they do that? to save the planet, the wait. oil industry. Well, wait, wait, wait. Why would they do that? What would their motivation be? Because when you make something illegal, what did we get for 13 years of prohibition? Did Violence? Did we get less alcohol? No. No, we had it flowing through the streets, and we made Al Capone. But... We completely com- 
corrupted our judiciary. But why would the? the but wait a minute, wait a minute. I know that what you're saying is that when pro- products are prohibited, they get more expensive, and there are all these other things that That's are associated right, and they with were prohibition. There to make the money. So you're suggesting that the legitimate alcohol distributors who had been operating business wanted to prohibit their product so they could make more in the black market by secretly distributing their product? It was it wasn't a secret. Everybody knew where to go get alcohol. No, but the wait money a minute. But, but wait. Huh? I, look, may I just I, you may have done far more research on this topic than I have, but I don't. I, it seems hard to believe that they would want to do that because if you prohibit a product, it opens up the industry to anybody that wants to jump in and compete. It's it's much easier to uh, to to market your moonshine if alcohol is is prohibited. Because it's just that's just the way things are. I mean, well, they, yeah, but when you have control of the bulk of the industry, if you've got somebody here and there making some moonshine, you know they're not really competition. Yeah, but it's, what was but, Al Capone? Was he a brewer, or did well, he just, or was he the black no, marketeer that's, that's that just seized the opportunity though. to control anything? If 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 I don't know, Cracker Jacks well, were prohibited, somebody <laughs> would step in to like fuel my Cracker Jack pension. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, well, let me just go to the hemp thing because I don't want to run out of time because this is really important because it's about jobs. Oh, no, no. We'll, we'll hold you over if that's necessary. I want to continue on the alcohol topic oh, here. Well, we can actually, get to. I, I did do a lot of this research because I was interested in this. Okay, so lay it on me. Is, You're is, telling me. What do humans that... do? We need food, clothing, shelter, fuel, and buzz. And entertainment. And Entertainment. Buzz? Yeah. The buzz is what they're in there to control, and they cannot control. You know, marijuana, anybody can grow it. Now, you right. wouldn't be mixing up your own cocaine or heroin. I don't know what all is involved in all that. It's, it's a little more complicated than yeah. throwing a seed in the ground and having a weed grow. Sure. So what it is is they're making all the money. I don't know if you've ever been to powderburns.org. That's mm-hmm. Sully Castillo, ex-military. He was the head of the DEA in South American operations for six years. Go check out his website. The government is bringing in the drugs. This is the CIA this is, I mean, it's all well, on there. Well, they may be bringing in some drugs, but I can guarantee you they're know. not bringing no, them all in. Wasn't it that no, no. Cessna that was shot down? They have control of drug dealing. That's what the whole thing with Saddam Hussein was. Well, he it's, was, there's probably the some evidence for that. I don't, know, I don't know if you can ever prove that, uh, that allegation. I think there's oh, no, no, truth. no, no, this is all out there publicly. That's why I'm saying. There's no way to prove. Hold on a second. Hold on a moment. There is no way to prove how much uh, drugs are coming into the country. They can make estimates and they can take wild guesses, but there is no way to concretely uh, say that, yes, the U.S. government is bringing in over 50% of the drugs. You just can't do that. They don't even know how much is idly growing out in the world. Well, I'm just saying, if you want to take a look, somebody can Google this while we're chatting, or not Google, try IX Quick or Start Page. Let's boycott Google and get rid of these. I'm things. not boycotting Google. I have no problem with Google. They provide my email service, and they do a damn good job of it. I, I understand. Absolutely no noise well, in I mean, you know, do, everybody does what they want to do. That's what freedom's yeah. all about, right? Yeah, sure, so people, sure. And I understand people, people are catch... paranoid about privacy and, and well, all no, that. No, no, no. I mean, whatever. You know, people can do what they want to do. That's, I'm not about, you know, so, I, I just wanted to call about hemp and jobs. because. Well, we can, the get, reason... to the, we can get to the hemp and jobs thing, but you still haven't answered my question about... Well, here, uh, I'm gonna, let me just give you this, and somebody can check it out while we're chatting. Go okay. to powderburns. You already gave that out. All right. So here's okay. my question uh, about uh, the alcohol prohibition. Your claim was that the alcohol companies were lobbying for prohibition of their own product. And right. what I'd like to understand to is... The price of the product, which is what they've done with marijuana. But where did they... Uh, so you're telling me that these companies that had invested uh, thousands likely of dollars into probably maybe uh, tens of thousands of dollars at that time 
uh, in manufacturing facilities just wanted to shut down their manufacturing facilities so they could have somebody start one up somewhere else in secret and supply the black market with product? They wanted to make a black market to increase the price. I'll bring you back here in a moment here. I don't know where you're getting info, and I'd like you to cite it in a moment. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. Tonight is Ian here with you. And Josh. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And the features include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo. Prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about free. And lady listeners, the instructions are there for you if you would like to submit your picture or video to the Shrine and get all the details at shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase char- uh, charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI, check out their banner right at the top of the banner column at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. As we go back to the phones and to the fun, uh, Lauren is back with us listening to WAIS in Ohio. Now, Lauren, I I don't like having to hold your feet to the flames here because it sounds like we agree on a whole lot of stuff. It sounds like we agree on a whole lot. I mean, I know you want to talk about hemp, and I do want to get you to that point here, uh, but I'm still hung up on this whole uh, claim of yours that, that alcohol prohibition was agitated for by the alcohol suppliers who were already established, and I'd like to know where you got that information because it's, uh, it's, that's news to me, and I, I personally do not believe it one, uh, one bit. And like I said, you could just do a search. I don't, I'm sitting here cooking dinner, and I Where don't have a computer you find in front it? of me. But Where? Wait, wait, wait. I'll just give you one example. How did Joseph Kennedy get rich? You know, John F. Was Pace Joseph Pace? Kennedy an alcohol dealer prior to Prohibition? My point is he got to be a multimillionaire. And had enough you money missed to get my point. I, I get your point. I understand that during Prohibition, the people that are dealing the products would like Prohibition to continue. That I get. That makes sense. But what you had said, and maybe you misspoke, or maybe I misunderstood. No, no, no. I didn't misspeak at all because they're doing it right now with hemp. You Who's know, when they, they passed the making uh, marijuana or hemp illegal, they changed the name of it to marijuana because doctors used hemp when they were taking care of patients. Oh, no, if no, you no, look no. at what hemp is, it gives you all the fatty acids that you need, the minerals that you need, the Hemp's protein. Hemp's a great that you product. Need. You don't you don't have to sell me on hemp. I, I'm I'm with you. It's a well, great right, product. So wait, so why would they make something like that illegal? Well, doesn't, remember, doesn't hemp lack, lack the psychoactive component of THC? You guys just talked over one another. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. I'm led, led to believe that what differentiates hemp from cannabis sativa and, and like the drug strains are that hemp is absent a THC molecule. It doesn't have that Isn't component. Isn't it the male plant? Uh, I mean, yes. I'm not an expert, but I believe, I believe so. the females uh, create buds. And well, it's actually a different strain. One, you know, you can have different strains of lots of things, but the point is, is that when you took hemp out of the picture, what happened was hemp supplied all the food, clothing, shelter, fuel, buzz, 
Remember Washington and them smoked it. Remember the Constitution. They didn't smoke hemp. No, let me tell you that uh, they smoked the, the the buds from the the female marijuana plant. Uh, I think you need to look a little bit further. I like what you're saying in general. Hemp, yes, it is very good for products, and it, and it can be made into a lot of products. It's very cheap, uh, but you can't get high off of hemp. I'm, I'm well, sorry no, no, to no, break the my, news my to you. My point is, is that by making marijuana illegal so people can't buzz from it, you also took away the food, clothing, shelter, You are absolutely fuel, right about plastic, that. Yeah, but but your claim was, Lauren, you're, you're correct about that, but your claim was that they are doing the same thing with hemp. And when you said they are doing the same thing, it sounded to me like what you meant was that the hemp suppliers were advocating that hemp be prohibited. And that's not the case. No, just no, as no, it's not because the... those aren't the people who are making policy. Is General Motors making policy about the car, the car situation? or is the Probably they policy? are. General Motors is the government, no, 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 and they're the well-connected. Policy, the policy is being made by the government, and this, this is the point General that Motors is the government. You can take policies and use them to either help or hurt an industry. But your, your prior 18th, claim was that the alcohol distributors right. were the ones that, like, I don't were know if she's hearing prohibition. Us. No, I, no, I no. That was not your claim? You're saying the alcohol distributors. I'm saying people in government who had determined they were going to make a whole lot of money by making something illegal, and then, and then they did. And Joseph Kennedy was just an example. But remember, okay, well, you've completely changed your story then, and that's no, fine. I didn't. You're, you kept repeating no, no, and I, I was think we just Please? I repeated myself over and over again. So what you're saying is alcohol was prohibited, in your opinion, by the government people so they could actually work the black market and make the money. You're not saying that the existing alcohol companies at the time were advocating for its prohibition. Right. Okay. Then we are on the same page. It just took uh, half an hour to, to, uh, sorry, to extract I'm it. Sorry. So what but else is on your mind tonight? Anything? I, just, I just want to really get to this because it's so important. We've got all this, well, let's spend billions of dollars for energy research. I have a campaign poster from 1888. It was the um, election campaign poster um, of uh, Harrison between Harrison and Garfield. And on, one of the things that was on the poster, it's a picture, it's a map of the United States, and it says, "Protect American corn, hemp, rice, and fruits." It was part of the staples that this country used. And so, what happened is. They basically took away from us the thing that would supply all of the... You could plant 1% of the United States in hemp and have all the fuel needs of this country met. Oh, it regenerates the food very needs fast. Because people don't get sick when they have all the fatty acids they need, all the protein they need. You know, you don't have cretinism, stunted growth. You know, all that goes away when you have the nutrition base that you need. The, the, the cannabis plant is an amazing plant. And uh, thank you for the call tonight, Lauren. I appreciate it. Uh, I I don't I didn't realize I was miscommunicating there. I I don't feel like I was. I feel like I said the same thing over and over again. I guess it's just that it's got to be that talk show thing that goes on where uh, sometimes people just don't want to hear what the other per- or listen to what the other person is saying. As usually a caller, I'm going to say sometimes you can't even hear what you're saying under the phone. Is that right? That's right. Uh, so uh, hemp. Just uh, just to give you a little bit of information about it, uh, it's common name for the plants of the entire genus cannabis. Uh, although the term is often used to refer only to cannabis strains cultivated for industrial or non-drug use. So, okay, by that definition, you can get high off of hemp. If you're using the hemp term to define all of cannabis, then yes, that would include the female plants. But typically, hemp is now uh, d- delineated a little bit further into being a term for the non-psychoactive uh, plants with a very, very, very small amount of THC to the point where it, it wouldn't get you high if you smoked a whole plant. Yeah, I, tend to, I tend to give the architects of prohibition not that much credit and really just see them as the nannies they were. 
So you don't believe that the intent for, of some of them was to uh, to reap rewards from prohibition? No, this uh, they needed a new devil, and alcohol happened to be it. Yeah, uh, it sounds to me like the temperance movement was very influential politically, and it's it's true that to some extent the squeaky wheel can get the oil when it comes to politics uh, because some people have more of an interest in squeaking than others do. So if you've got a an interest group like the temperance movement that wants to get something very specific done or whether it be a lobbyist for a company or whatever, they can focus in on that, whereas the rest of us that don't have all those specific interests that uh, that we want to get from the government – in fact, people like us don't want anything from the government, we just want to be left alone – while they're out there lobbying for their programs to be passed, we can't really do anything to, to counteract that because if we spend money trying to counteract just one of their programs that they're lobbying for, we're out $500 for a trip to Washington, D.C. or whatever the amount of time or, or money and effort was that we expended trying to stop that piece of legislation. While over on the other side, there's somebody else pushing some other piece of legislation that might just very well get through. So it's much easier for those people to use the state as the tool of violence to to get their way than it is for us to try to stop the state as a tool of violence. That's how the system's designed. It's one of the reasons why government just keeps getting bigger and more intrusive. All right, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Josh. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they are free. So enjoy those, including the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive. W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. We go continue into your phone calls and talk to Phil, listening to WSVG in Mount Jackson. Hey, Phil, you're on Free Talk Live. How are you doing tonight, Evan? Hey, uh, it's Ian, and Josh is here as well. What's on your mind, dude? I'm doing pretty good. Sorry about that. No problem. My pronunciation there. It happens <laughs> anyway, to me all the time. Uh, before I get to what I was going to call about, I do want to comment on the previous caller. I was listening to that call. That woman did say that there was the alcoholic companies. Thank first. you. She absolutely so. said it, and I said it over and over again when I was trying to clarify it. And like I said, it's probably just the whole uh, she's on talk radio, you've got a point you want to make, and you just want to make your point. She obviously wanted to make her point about hemp, and so she probably just wasn't really paying close attention to what we said, which is, you know, that's the way things, the cookie crumbles sometimes. But thank you for it, that. It happens. So I just wanted to, to kind of clear it up as someone who was listening. Yeah, I she originally said it was the companies, but uh, anyway, I wanted to touch on a story I read uh, earlier today, and sure. knowing that you and myself also are big purveyors of individual uh, responsibility as well as liberty, um, I read this story where this, uh, he's like a 17-year-old kid, I believe it was, just got 23 years in prison on a murder charge because he shot and killed his mother and shot and his father, who survived, in the head, both of them, 
because they took away his copy of Halo 3 because wow. he was so immersed in the game. <laughs> where is this story from again? Uh, you know, I can't remember where this took place, but th- that's why they didn't give him life, which is a mandatory sentence in whatever state it was. It was you know, mandatory life. They gave him a, a more lenient sentence because Wait, how old was well, this kid again? So immersed, he was so immersed in the game. Well, his, he bought the game without his parents knowing anyway. I mean, did he think or his, against his parents' wishes? Did he think his parents were aliens or something? Was he that <laughs> immersed? Right, well, what I'm what I'm curious about is, is, you know, if the parents said we don't want you to buy this game, he goes out and buys the game. How long was he playing before he was supposedly so immersed in the game? It's ludicrous. I mean, he, he's they're just making whatever excuses they can for uh, for violence. It's all it has ever been in the history of youth violence since before video games existed. There was always something to blame it on. Uh, if Mark were here, he'd be talking about how they hated uh, Highway to Hell uh, back in the 1980s when uh, when he was growing up. And uh, so in this case, now they've got the video games, which are far more convenient to blame because they actually have people shooting people uh, in the games. And, of course, there is no evidence whatsoever that video games increase violence. In fact, I believe uh, Penn & Teller just did their most recent edition of BS last night on video game violence. I haven't seen it yet, but I look forward to uh, to, to seeing that one because I'm sure they're going to tear the hell out of this one because it's just, it's just nonsense. I mean, the, the amount of millions... Of of American youths, it's statistically insignificant the amount of kids who actually go do out and, and do violence. Right. I mean, the question I, I have say, about you, know, I I play uh, Grand Theft Auto Auto all the time. You sure, don't that's the example I was going to bring up. Carjacking people. Right. <laughs> I mean, in, here, here's a scenario from that game world. I I have the choice. Now, the, the choice is like the big portion of some of these games. Now, I have the option of purchasing a prostitute, taking her away to a secluded area, mm-hmm. then murdering her and taking the money. I could do that, or I could not. There are also consequences for what happens in there. And the question I have um, is how video games are getting treated differently from other media. I mean, you watch, why is it acceptable in a, a movie to, to portray uh, the criminal world and violence in its like, brutal and therefore, it too. Yeah, and therefore truthful nature? I mean, that's a passive experience, but being put in the active role in the video game, that's somehow bridges the gap and it becomes immoral that becomes the obscenity i don't know because in the game you have the option to do it in the movie it just happens you you think that you would find it to be more of a people getting too immersed in movies because well that's the only thing they do yeah i mean it's just uh, the whole idea that anybody can be so immersed in a game that uh, they all of a sudden decide to draw down on somebody and uh, and kill them is just absolutely absurd that's the same type of logic that says somebody with a healthy sex drive is a rapist this whoever yeah. that person is if that's really even true what uh, what they claim and i don't believe it for a moment but even if it is true as you said uh, as you were pointing out josh there are so many people that uh, play video games you're talking about a crazy person. This is a crazy person yeah. who happens to play video games. It, they could have just been overbearing parents. That might have been the final straw in a long strain of events. And Well, I, I, I could mention the fact that the father is a, a, a reverend or a priest or, or, or something to that effect. So, that sounds sure like it could very well. Be. Yeah, that sounds like it could be a household where there's some oppression going on. It's possible. It doesn't need to be physical. Time, I mean, at, at right. the same time, I do find it amazing that you can blame it on a video game. The kid actually apparently told his parents, close your eyes, I have a surprise for you. Wow, that's sick. And then wow. they closed their eyes, and he fired the gun. Gosh, awful. And I, th- and I think, 
it is awful, but I think, first of all, these parents have to know that their kid has to have, a, ha, there has to be an issue well before this. Well, the, uh, never I, underestimate I, the ignorance of uh, of a parent that wants to believe their child is, yeah. uh, is healthy. Never it wasn't, it wasn't bad parenting that led to Columbine. It, it wasn't uh, monstrous co-students at the school. It was Marilyn Manson, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just thought I wanted, I just wanted to bring up that story because I thought call. you all would find that uh, interesting. Yeah, thank you for I'll, that so much. And hey, if you get a chance, Phil, you might be interested in visiting Free Talk Live's website, going to our guest page, and finding the picture of Jack Thompson. I realize our guest page is cluttered and difficult to use. Uh, we're working on a redesign on the site. I don't know when it's going to be done, but one of these days. But his picture is there, uh, and they're in alphabetical order by last name. So find the Jack Thompson picture, and you can actually hear us interview the uh the the primary opponent of violent video games this is the man who is constantly agitating for new legislation to be written new controls to be imposed upon the video game industry and he's i think these i think he still stands as the only person who ever hung up the phone uh during a free talk live interview so you can get that on our website the question i have for people out there who would think of prohibiting violent video games which would you rather have in your society deranged people who have a harmless and healthy outlet for their fantasies, mm. a, la, a la virtual reality? Yeah. Or would you rather them have to experience this stuff in the flesh to get an idea of what it might be like? That's a, yeah, that's a good question, and I wonder... And thank you, by the way, Phil, for the call. I wonder... Um, you, they look at psychopaths, and they find out that in a lot of cases they grew up uh, harming animals, for instance. You know, that's kind of a, a common thing amongst like serial killers, for instance. And... I wonder if kids today, obviously, te- obviously, boys, young boys, teenage boys, are gonna cause trouble. That's just what. That's just kind of what they do. They're mm-hmm. bored. They can't. The government won't let them work, so they go out and they destroy things. But I wonder if video games are having an effect that is de- is putting that on a decline. I want, has anybody ever done a study on that? Has anybody ever looked into that to see that if it's true that video games actually do deflect real life violence in that way? I, I believe that it could be true. Oh, of course, but um, I don't think there's been any honest, honest study. Yeah. The people who do this are like whoever that lawyer was that you interviewed. I have already forgot his name. Jack Thompson. Jack Thompson, that guy. When they when they do their studies, they're looking for correlation. They they look for the the statistically infrequent uh, lashing out of violence, and they look for what he might have been playing. Right. Oh, yes. Well, so we found that 98% of people that have killed someone played video games. I played Manhunt. It's a murder simulation game. You hide in the shadows, and you murder yeah. the gangs trying to murder you first. Mm-hmm. But you know they present it in a way that it isn't glamorous. It's visceral. It's brutal. And it may desensitize you to violence, um, or it may not. That's really. Up- I don't think. I don't believe that a video game could desensitize someone to violence. To 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 anybody who's actually experienced violence, I don't believe it could be desensitizing at all. I mean, to to anybody who's even fired a weapon, you you can't say that there's any correlation whatsoever to firing a gun in some first-person shooter Absolutely and actually not. holding a, a piece of metal in your hands that explodes on the inside. Ian, if guns kill people, does that mean pencils misspell words? 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. More coming up here. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live.
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, Ian, uh, it's Ian here with you. And Josh. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give away the features, and they're on us. freetalklive.com. Those other talk show hosts charge you. We just ask that you voluntarily support the show by, for instance, becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. And thank you so much to everybody that uh, is an amplifier of this program. It makes such a big difference for Free Talk Live. It helps us get on more new radio stations around the country and bring new Internet listeners around uh, from around the world, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. And it is really a, a critical component to the growth of Free Talk Live. So for all of those of you who are giving at least 3 bucks a month to the show, that's all we ask. Uh, you can do it over at amp.freetalklive.com. Thank you so much. So again, amp.freetalklive.com. And to, to give you an extra thanks, we throw in some, some perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only chat room, forum, and more. Again, it's all at amp.freetalklive.com. We'll take your calls about anything. Otherwise, we'll go to a little international news here. And this is good news for a change. Bloomberg is reporting, as of a few days ago, that Switzerland has said it would seize UBS AG data to prevent the U.S. uh, Justice Department from pursuing a U.S. court order seeking the identities of 52,000 American account holders in a crackdown on tax evaders. So people for a long time have been talking about how you can kind of evade the authorities in the United States by getting a Swiss bank account, and I never really knew how true it was, but... So you must Jeez. use the U.S. currency in the U.S. banks or else? Yep, you've got to get right on that microphone. Uh, you, that's what they're saying. You've got to go, they're, they're trying to go after people that are using the banks in, this, in Switzerland for tax shielding purposes. And it sounded like they were going to have success because when I first heard the story, it sounded like they were, the banks were moving toward actually complying. And I think they were. So this is a very unique case where the government has actually stepped in in Switzerland, and blocked the U.S. government from doing what it's doing with the, the Swiss banks. It's pretty impressive, actually. It's, it's not rare that I will uh, will laud a government for doing something, but sometimes when they fight one another in that way, they can do something okay. Well, the Swiss seem to have this running reputation as being politically neutral. You know, the, I don't think their army's really ever been deployed beyond its borders. The army that everybody has to have a gun, that, that army? That's the Swiss army, right? Everybody, yeah. yeah. And they have those knives. The Swiss Army knife. That really did come from oh, Switzerland. Oh, they're prepared for everything, don't, don't the, you? The, the assertion came in court papers yesterday in federal court in Miami where the U.S. Justice Department sued UBS, and I don't know what that stands for. I think it's a bank, United Bank of Swiss, Switzerland or something. On a February, uh, February 19th, the day after the bank avoided U.S. prosecution for helping wealthy Americans evade taxes, the U.S. effort to enforce a summons seeking the names would force UBS to violate Swiss laws barring disclosure of such data. Said the filing, the Swiss government uh, apparently will use its legal authority to ensure the bank cannot be pressured to transmit the information illegally, including, if necessary, by issuing an order taking effective control of the data at UBS that is the subject of the summons. So not that I support the, you know, forcibly taking control of the data of the banks, but I do appreciate the spirit in which the, yeah, you know, how, this is happening. How about that? A government actually protecting people's privacy. That's, sh- that's shocking. And their property. Yeah, I'm impressed. And, and a government that is smaller than the U.S. government not bowing down like a little bitch. Absolutely. 1-800-259-9231. Other international stuff here. Uh, we'll go to an email from Poland. Martin emails in says, Hey, guys, I know you've got lots of mail, so I'll try to be brief. First, thanks for Free Talk Live. I've been listening to your radio for years, and it inspired me to start my own. 
Liberty and threat of ever-growing government is not the only issue in America. It's also in Europe and especially in Poland, where I live. Now, I lived in Poland when it was still under communism. And I witnessed the collapse of the system. And I'm, I'm changing a few of his words here and there where, where he does some misspellings because obviously English is not his, his native language, but he does a pretty good job. Uh, he says, I witnessed the collapse of the system. As easy as it was to predict, socialism has to go eventually go bankrupt, as you well know. Then I've seen around me, all around me, a few years of nearly pure capitalism in Poland in the early 1990s. Government let go of the economy, and people found themselves in a state of unimaginable freedom. Some people were scared like hell and couldn't find themselves. And I heard that. I've heard that about a lot of the former Soviet states when all of a sudden the communism went away and they mm. were. Uh, it was replaced with what was a, in comparison, a relative standard of freedom. They didn't know what to do. Like they, they would go into, and these are just anecdotes that I've heard. Uh, they would go into a McDonald's and they wouldn't understand like how to. To deal with that, I, the mean, choices. You mean I can tell you what I want? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was just not, you know, did not compute for them. They would lived under the communist uh, thumb or iron fist for so long, they just didn't get it. Well, all those fo- those satellite states of the former bloc are are emerging little economies now. They're, They're much better on their own. Yes, absolutely, competing As- and cooperating than they ever were under. And, you know, that heavy Under curtain. the Union, sure. It's in the same way that uh, the American states will finally be better off after they have seceded or declared independence from the current state. So we have to uh, keep propagating that idea and popularizing it. And I have to say that I think that all the discussion that has happened so far is helping kind of get that concept out there to some extent. So we need to keep that up. But he goes on to say that some of them did realize what the opportunity it was. And in the three years, the economy of, in three years, the economy of Poland rocketed up to the sky. People used to say that under communism you had money, but there was no merchandise to buy. And under capitalism you could buy anything, but you had no money. People were confused by the rapid change, but in reality, comfort of life went up in breathtaking speed. What government couldn't do by regulating the economy in the previous 20 years, borrowing money left and right to get water out of this Titanic, the free market accomplished in just a few years. So while some people were scared and they didn't really understand what was happening... And you know they may have uh, they may have uh, bad mouthed capitalism while they were initially experiencing it. What he's saying is the quality of life, the standard of living went up dramatically in a short period of time because the marketplace does respond almost instantaneously to consumer demand. When free to do so, producers will produce. That's that's the heart of what capitalism is. Because they want to make a buck, and that's okay, because they're checked at all times in a free marketplace. Not to say that it was completely free back then. I don't know. I wasn't there. But uh, they're checked. Those who are the producers are always checked by the other producers because they're in the marketplace, too, competing for that same buck. And so not one of them can get too greedy and screw up their and screw their customers because if they start screwing their customers, then they'll just go somewhere else. Unless I can somehow legitimize the youth of force to get you to buy my product. Which is where we are today, where the... The existing producers have essentially teamed up with the government to pre- prevent anybody new from coming on board and competing in their industry. And, of course, as government takes more and more control, as we're seeing with the auto industry, it'll shift over to a point, and they were talking about this. I think Lou Rockwell had a story about this at lourockwell.com today about how you know now they're shifting to even more state control of things. And the auto industry is a perfect example of it. The, the state is, is picking up more control, more regulations, more controls. Maybe they're not going to stop with the auto industry. Maybe they're going to start picking up other companies, maybe some newspaper companies. This is creating jobs, Ian. You have to have all kinds of new bureaucracies. <laughs> You've got to staff them to, to oversee. 
oversee these new crucial industries that the government has taken over. And don't forget the overseers need overseers as well. Uh, but that means uh, I'm a shareholder in General Motors now, right? No, I don't think you can actually Really? I don't do get any profit sharing? No. Uh, the lesson is, he says, uh, that's the lesson of what freedom is. What shows how effective, uh, It shows how effective the free market is and how devastating to the economy overgrown regulations are. And I would say that regulations of any sort, if they're coercive, are devastating to the economy because you can still have safety without government. You can, in fact, you will have safety without government because companies don't want to kill their customers. I mean, it's the, it's the basic, most basic thing you can imagine. I know, even as far as health codes go, um, I know people who will stop eating at a restaurant that looks gross. Sure, they and don't need a, a seal of, of approval from the government if it's dingy, if it smells ratty. Don't go, and you tell people if you get sick once, I I wouldn't go back. Well, most people get sick from their home cooked meals, and they don't realize it, and they blame it on the restaurant. But that's that's another story entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on, he says, now the government of Poland is spending more than it has, and it's regulating one thing after another. For example, if you ever came to Poland, I wouldn't be able to show you around, not legally at least, because I need a government-issued certificate to do so. From your show, I only learned of uh, some years ago, and it was a huge surprise to me, that the USA starts to have the same problem with bureaucrats taking away people's liberty. Can you believe that? That as of only a few years ago, somebody in a, a European country actually thought the United States was a free place? That he just now learned recently that uh, we're losing freedom here, too? It's, it's, a, it's a great sham. Apparently, he says, that fear of freedom and thirst for safety has spread like a disease everywhere in Europe and in the United States. He says, I find it hard to believe that freedom-loving nation like Poles... And, uh, excuse me, I'll spare you the history, but believe me, there is hardly any other nation in Europe which would fight for freedom with more passion, he says, practically became slaves, and they don't even know how pathetic they are. When they have to ask several bureaucrats for permission to paint a wall in their own house or on their own land, citizens are practically owned by the government, and the worst thing is, they can't see it. And there's some, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing some famous quote by somebody that says that those who, who are the most hopelessly, helplessly enslaved or hopelessly enslaved are the ones who uh, think they're free, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we have in this country, where people are told from their first day that they're in government school that this is a free country, kids. Oh, yeah. every, every problem, just go to the teacher or the authority, the principal, whoever it is. Pass a law if you got a problem, too. Uh, this, so they, they're indoctrinating kids with the uh, these beliefs, and uh, thank goodness... Shows like Free Talk Live are here, and other folks are out there doing, uh, you know, Penn and Teller and John Stossel out there letting people know, hey, this whole freedom thing, uh, it's not what they told you that it was. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. And no running. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Josh. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, launching right into your calls. We'll go to Dan in Pennsylvania on the amp line. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. Who's Josh? Josh, uh, who are you? Um, I'm just a friend. No, you're a friend. You're a friend and a uh, free stater. Uh, but no, actually, no. Technically, you're not a free no, stater. I'm a native that kind of plugged in. You are definitely plugged in with the movement here. Uh, one of the, uh, the the good guys. So that's who Josh is. You've seen him in print if you've been to AnarchyInYourHead.com. Uh, he is known as uh, Angry Josh there. Oh, uh, cool. That would be me. All right. So what's on your well, mind tonight? What I called about was uh, an issue that comes up occasionally, and it's one that you guys seem to have some trouble with, and I, I think that I might have a solution. It's the uh, the idea of what do you do when somebody's mentally insane, obviously, in a free society, because obviously we as you know, people who believe in individual liberty don't necessarily believe that a person has a right to control another person just because they think the other person is doing something wrong. So that brings mm-hmm. up the issue of when is it right to forcefully intervene in somebody's life. Well, some of the answers that we've had uh, so far are, well, if they're harming others, then obviously you can forcefully stop them to do that. Uh, If they're just harming themselves, then things get a little trickier. If they've entered into some sort of an agreement uh, prior to the harming of themselves that says that they would like to be stopped from harming themselves, uh, you know, whatever whatever steps you need to take, stop me from doing these things, then it would be completely okay to uh, to intervene. Otherwise, if you do intervene and there is no pre-existing agreement, then I would think that you'd be opening yourself up to a possible uh, a possible liability down the line if they decide they didn't appreciate your unasked for help. But what did you have in mind? Well, uh, liability is actually the answer, I think. Um, to start with, in a free society, the institutions that deal with um, what today we would call law enforcement, but which is would actually be protection and um, a dispute resolution, would be more responsive, I think, than... Uh, preventative, because when you have a society where everybody is armed and capable at arms and, uh, you know, with no question is allowed to defend themselves, the idea of a protective state is, you know, goes away, and I don't even think you'd need a private police force. But what you would have would be these dispute resolution organizations, which would, you know, respond to things that have already happened uh, in large part. And so I, the way I think that would work into this problem is, whenever somebody is doing something that you believe if they were in their right mind they would not do, mm-hmm. then as a matter of individual conscience, you could you know, try to convince them that what they're doing is wrong and use some sort of coercion in your persuasion. But if they are found to have been in their right mind or when they return to their right mind, they decide that you had no right to do that, then you're liable. That's how I feel. And and the the question is, no matter what, you know, generally we accept to be logically true in terms of ethics, if the general idea of society is paternalistic, then they might decide that you need some sort of good Samaritan uh, protection. So even though that person believed that what you did was wrong, it you know, it's going to be up to... It'll be up to the marketplace. I mean, exactly. You're right. You're absolutely right. And that's why that when some people say that a 
a truly free society or free marketplace could actually be more restrictive in some instances. I think they're absolutely right because people could self-organize to the point, kind of like how the the Free State Project is self-organizing, drawing liberty-minded people all to the same place. You've also got the the Christian Exodus Project drawing a bunch of uh, you know theocrats uh, all to the same place so they can uh, then force their morals on people. So if you get people together that are all of a similar mindset in, in a general geographic area, then certainly the the um, whatever kind of results are coming out of the arbitrators in those areas are going to differ. There's likely going to be some differences between how a case like that might be arbitrated in uh, the Christian Exodus Project versus a more liberty-oriented society. Yeah, now, are we talking right. just about... People who have no reasoning capabilities or like psych, or like deranged on a psychotic level. I mean, what about just the yeah, ordinary? Yeah, people out of their mind. Yeah, what about the, the completely benign uh, mentally handicapped? I are you asking how that would be intervened with as well? Like if, if we deemed that somebody wasn't capable of taking care of themselves. Well, in either case, I think it would be basically the same. It, it would. You, you know, you would have the liability that, that, you know, we discussed, but also if society is, tends to be paternalistic, then you will have, the, you know, that sort of interference in the lives of, you know, children and the mentally handicapped and stuff like that. If it's more, you know, libertine, then you wouldn't. And uh, this goes to something that I was recently discussing on the forum about polycentric law, where you would have areas with prevailing legal theory, and even though you could get a dispute resolution under a particular system, say Sharia law or fundamentalist Catholic law, or well, that wouldn't be fundamentalist, but, you know, Catholic canon law or something like that, you might have to move to a different place of the world in order to enforce the, uh, you know, the dispute resolution decision. So if something is, sorry about that, if something's really draconian in terms of the, well, not draconian, but uh, paternalistic is a good term in terms of what the rest of society believes, and you want to be the type of person who takes care of the mentally handicapped, it, it, you know, takes care in quotations as in, you know, make sure that they're doing everything that you want them to do. Well, you're going to have to go to a part of the world where that sort of thing is allowed, whereas the rest of society might uh, not allow the enforcement of that sort of uh, decision-making. And it would be their private property. So, I mean, when you talk, when you talk about society, you don't mean as a group necessarily, but you just mean that in general, in that particular area, people aren't interested in that sort of thing, or or they are, depending on what their their beliefs yeah. are. And so, because it's their private property, they would be able to get uh, to set whatever rules they could. You know, I was thinking as you right. were talking about uh, the idea of liability, and I wonder how practical would it be. For say in a society where things are you know a mix, like relatively free, it's still a free society. Everybody's got pro- private property rights and they can set their own rules. Where some people are uh, willing to take that liability on to help somebody who or what they believe is helping to help somebody who's in a mentally ill state, they're willing to take that liability on. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. In that. A lot of the times, I would imagine, after the fact, the person is going to be appreciative of the fact that, oh my gosh, you know, I, I was crazy, and thank you so much for for helping me get out of this. And then there are going to be the occasional times I would think it would be more often that they'd be appreciative than they'd be angry about it. Like I wanted to stay insane, shouldn't have messed with me. I didn't appreciate that technique that you used, or whatever. And there are going to be times when people are going to sue, and there will be that liability. I wonder if there would be enough business there for an insurance company to back somebody up to where if 
if that's what you wanted to do uh, with your life is to help rescue people that are having a tough time uh, and expose yourself to liability constantly, would there be somebody out there that was willing to take that risk and, and back you up financially? Probably if that's their prerogative. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I always run into when I'm talking about uh, free market solutions with people is it'll inevitably come down to who will help the poor, who will help the downtrodden, the sick, and the elderly. Sure. Which the obvious answer is, why not you? Mm-hmm. If if that's your value, you're, no one's going to stop you. Any other thoughts yeah, tonight, Dan? I, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that before, because in a free society, law would effectively be an economic good produced through the codes of conduct of, insurer, of insurers. And, yeah, why not a good Samaritan insurance agency? I think that would be the perfect solution. There you go. Thanks for the call tonight, Dan. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. See, that's just it. That's why I don't like calling myself an anarchist, uh, because uh, it does have a connotation of no rules, uh, no, no laws, and I, I have no problem with the idea of a, of a private law. Like, it's my property. I get to write whatever the rules are. For it has that connotation, but that's not, like, the real definition. But, you know, things get twisted and perverted. Yeah, I, I go by uh, the connotations for the most part because I don't want to sit there and argue about what the real meaning of anarchist is when you've got people out there calling themselves anarchists, throwing firebombs into things and blowing up storefront windows and stuff like that. That's why I've sort of gravitated towards the more individualist, libertarian, or agorist tags. Agorist is an okay one, I think, because anything that, that you... Anything that nobody has a preconceived, most people don't have a preconceived notion about is a better tag than something that everybody has an idea about. The wrong idea. Or just create something new like voluntarism. There you go. 800-259-9231 or a consensualist. How about that one? 800-259-9231. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian here with you. And Josh. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, they're right there on the front page of the website, and they go back for an entire year free for you at freetalklive.com. And if you need more great audio content, you can go to audible.com. It's the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose, and every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL for your free audiobook. As we continue taking your phone calls about whatever's on your mind, Dan is in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Hey. Um, at first, I have something uh, kind of short, a short comment. All right, sure. Um, about the last thing you were discussing about uh, terms. And yep. uh, maybe, Ian, you should call yourself a critarchist, K-R-I-T-A-R-C-H-I-S-T. Um, what is that? That's a person who uh, basically submits will submit to a judge in a ruling, um, like if somebody brings a grievance against you, that's something, it's a, I think it's a Greek derivative, the beginning is like judges, and mm-hmm. it's, um, it's got the archie in there, you know, critarchy, 
instead of what we have now is an oligarchy. We're ruled by a few of oligarchy is ruled by judges. Yeah, I don't know so, if I want to be ruled by judges. Okay, well, anyway. I, just <laughs> I don't want to be there. ruled by anybody. See, I, the thing I like about the free marketplace and, uh, and private property owners getting to set their own rules is if I don't like their rules, I don't have to go on their property. Of course, somebody can right. make the point that, well, if you don't like government's rules, you can go somewhere else. But the thing is, I didn't agree in the first place to this whole governmental system, whereas when I go on Walmart's property, I agree to you know, not steal their stuff, and I agree to okay. pay with a credit card and, or cash or whatever. Right. Go ahead. But at, at some point, uh, well, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but at some point, there could be a dispute that would arise, and a, uh, under Kritarki, you would send it to arbitration. I, I, you can look it up and... So are you saying that cryptarchy could exist in a free market as far as – because the free marketplace, as I understand – at least my conceptualization of the free marketplace, does include arbitration. But in the, in the particular instance, both parties have to consent to the arbitration. Right. So, well, um, it's an old word, so it has, it's, it's a word that existed before Rothbard, and then, then there's a Rothbard Institute in Europe somewhere, and they – have been explaining the word and everything, so they're kind of grabbing a hold of it. Um, historically, it's been used, like in the Bible, there's a, a book of Judges and at, right before the book of Kings. And so, the, you know, in Kings it was a monarchy, but the book of Judges kind of kind of describes a society. I mean, you don't have to believe it's true or not. It, it, but, it uh, could work. I'm, 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 just, I'm led to I'm think just, that, like, uh, market arbitration would be more like the judge's fairness or this arbiter's like reputation of fairness and objectivity is really the commodity that uh, the grieved parties are agreeing on um, using. But yeah. I know this, a critical society sounds more like a theocratic one where you're substituting a priest class for a judge class. There's not a lot here. I'm on the uh, the Wikipedia page about it. There's not a lot here, but it does yeah. say critarchy is a form of older a form of order springing from judgments made from principles of natural rights. It may have existed in Israel during the period of time described in the Book of Judges and exists under Somalia's Zir law, which we've actually talked about on this show in the past. And uh, Somalia's Zir law is very interesting and and a whole lot more freedom-oriented than uh, than what we have today. A critocracy, okay. it says, should be contrasted with a critarchy. Both are governments ruled by judges, but the difference lies in the manner of the judgment's conception. Judgments in a critocracy are arrived at by the personal opinions of the judge, whereas judgments in a critarchy are arrived at by judging whether a person's natural rights have been violated. So between the two, a critarchy certainly sounds uh, preferable. By that definition, I'm on board. Okay. But I don't know if I want Judge Burke making those decisions. I I would want the type of judges that emerge (laughs) in the marketplace to follow that. Yeah. Line of reasoning. Yeah, I okay, agree Okay, well, that. if you didn't want to call yourself an anarchist, that's another word you might think about using. I appreciate anyway. the suggestion. Thank you for that. Okay. Any okay, other thoughts? No um, sure. Uh, yeah, I yes. wanted to talk about when I was waking up about two days ago, I heard this news story about the associ- some type of association of little people that wanted to ban the word midget on uh, airwaves. Is that for real? I, I heard the guys on yeah. Free Minds TV talking about that recently. Yes. Yeah, well, at least they said it on the radio, and I thought it was funny because they <laughs> they said they wanted to ban the word, and the result was that uh, when I woke up, I heard the word midget on the radio. Of course. So, so it, it's so it's okay it's to say the word when you're talking about how wrong the word is, which it doesn't right. matter. Well, no, but what he was pointing out is the fact that they were complaining about it just made it so that every radio show host that does a morning show, oh, wow, wacky zoo morning shows, uh, you know, talked about midgets that morning yeah. because of that news article. 
They, they said right. the word. Right. And I can think of words uh, much worse than midget. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't repeat those, of course. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, now, you know, they don't ban those words. What about munchkin? And, Would that be endearing? Now, is a uh, munchkin a midget or a dwarf? I don't know. I don't know about that one. These are the things but. we must learn. These are the important facts that we need to uh, to extract here. Uh, dwarf, a person of abnormally small stature, owing to a pathological condition, especially one suffering from cretinism or some other disease that produces disproportion or deformation of the features and limbs. So a dwarf would be somebody who may have a large, regular size head and enormous uh, hands you know uh, small arms and 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 that kind of thing or small uh, small legs whereas a midget i believe is somebody who is proportional as far as their their size is concerned Here's some interesting facts what was the other what, what was the other word though midget dwarf and then i said munchkin munchkin you know from the wizard of oz right, the right. munchkins so you were saying, Josh? I yeah. think that's just a fictional thing. Is the Munchkin? I don't know. Uh, the, the, it is in the dictionary. Uh, <laughs> a small person, especially one who is dwarfish or elfin in appearance. So Munchkins are more likely to be dwarfs than they are elves. I'm or not, not elves. <laughs> not elves. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for the call tonight. Keeplers. Uh, yeah. Dwarves, not midgets. Are munch- so Munchkins are more like dwarves than they are midgets. There's a funny, funny thing about um, uh, midgethood. For lack of a better word, uh, yeah. uh, apparently four foot ten is the cutoff point for for legal status as a person of small stature. Really, um, I was calling around for insurance quotes a little while ago, and they asked my height, and of course I asked, "Is this relevant? What does that matter?" They won't insure legal midgets. No this, kidding. Yeah, they wouldn't insure them. They're just more likely to get injured in an accident or something. I like don't know. That? Are we talking about auto insurance? No, or health insurance. Pers- health insurance. Okay. More likely to smash their head on a drawer. I don't know. Maybe they're just. Uh, maybe maybe it's they're likely to have some sort of deformity or or birth defect or yeah, to where they're. they're more li- I guess they're calling it a pre-existing condition or something. But and indeed, a midget is an extremely small person having normal physical proportions. So now you know. You learn something new every night. At least I do. Uh, learn something new every night here on Free Talk Live. Where do you draw the line between these words anyway? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, mean, words can they change. They all kind of mean the same. Where, where do you draw the line between kaka and poo-poo, Ian? Ooh, you know, we're going to get to something more serious here in moments uh, because uh, I'm, I'm told that the brother of Dave Ridley is on the line. And Dave Ridley is currently in jail. So as we are speaking to you, he is sitting in the Cheshire County Jail because he dared to record video in a public court lobby. He's got a six-day sentence for that. So hopefully his brother will hang on because we're going to come back and talk to him here in moments. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian here with you. And Josh. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features, and we give them to you free, including the Facebook page. Uh, You can go and become a fan, as it is called. Just go to facebook.freetalklive.com. Click the Become a Fan link and join up with our Facebook page slash group or whatever the heck you call those things. Facebook.freetalklive.com as we continue taking your calls. 
Stephen Ridley is on the line in California. We don't normally talk about people's last names, but uh, you're apparently a very unique individual because you are the brother of Dave Ridley. Isn't that right? Stephen? Do we have Stephen? Oh, please don't tell me we lost Stephen. Stephen in California. Going once. This is what I get. This is what I get for mentioning who's coming next before the break. You jinxed it. This is how things work in the world of talk radio. Whenever you say somebody is coming up, they never hold through the the, the break. Yeah, maybe it was a cell phone issue. Hopefully he'll call back. 800-T is back. Stephen Ridley in California. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, can you hear me? Hey, you are, you're clear. Dave Ridley's brother? Yeah, it was the cell phone, all right. Oh, cool. Well, welcome to Free Talk Live. Just to bring our listeners up to speed, uh, Dave Ridley is a videographer here in New Hampshire. He's a Free State Project member, one of the early movers. He's been doing great work over at RidleyReport.com, kind of uh, providing a window into the world of activism here for people that are around the world, around the country, that uh, they don't know what it's like, uh, what the activism's like here in New Hampshire. Uh, they can tune into RidleyReport.com and they can really get a piece of the action. It's a, he does a great service and uh, he was doing that service, uh, recording video in a court lobby, and was arrested for it. Now he's spending six days in jail, just to bring our listeners up to speed. What's uh, what's on your mind tonight, Stephen? Well, guys, I just wanted to call in, and really, number one, I just wanted to give you guys a shout-out, uh, and also to all the great people who I haven't met, but I've seen postings from and uh, videos of just supporting my big brother. Uh, I live out in California, so really, except for holidays, I don't get to hang out with him much, and the only way I can stay caught up with him is giving him a call and watching the Ridley Report and watching, watching freeking.com. And I, uh, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of, I'm a composer, so I kind of have to be out here for what I do. But uh, I've seen a lot of crazy, crazy, scary things happen in California. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just a question about yeah. your, uh, your career. Isn't composing something you can do from anywhere with an Internet connection? I mean, what do you need to be in California well, for? The composing itself, absolutely. The problem is meetings and the problem is uh, studio time with a professional orchestra. That I can, see. Record your stuff in about one hour and pay a little, you know, as little as possible. Uh, you were actually that's, that's that's what I thought uh, that I recalled from watching the Ridley Report is that a lot of the music that he has on his show, some he gets from some of his viewers, but you're one of the primary sources, as I understand it, for a lot of the uh, the background themes that that he'll play. Oh, some of it, yeah, that's true. And Dave, uh, I've I've uh, been very happy for Dave to use as many files of mine as he w- he would like. And uh, very cool. They, I mean, we. <laughs> You know, it goes back to when I played the drums and he played the piano, like, you know, growing up, garage bands, et cetera, uh, driving my mom crazy. So, but, uh, so are you pretty proud of your brother for uh, doing what he's doing? Because I yeah. think he's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's one of the other things I wanted to point out, other than just saying thank you to all the people that are supporting him, uh, including you guys, obviously, but uh, that I'm proud of him. I, I, you know, I've learned a lot from him over the years. He, and, you know, he's like a really humble person. He would probably be mad at me for even coming on and saying this, but he's a really humble guy. We won't tell him. <laughs> yeah, he's, I want people to know he's truly brilliant. He's a politically brilliant. He is. Um, he's learned a, a lot by reading Churchill and reading the works of Gandhi, and those are his heroes. And what he's doing is huge. People think it's you know sometimes like I'll tell my friends they're like, well, he's why would he go to jail for that? But what he's doing is absolutely huge, hugely symbolic and hugely important. And I think that the more people are willing to do what he's doing, because uh, you know, absolutely, yeah, six days in jail, but. Six days in jail, but it says a lot to the community. It says a lot to the judges. It says a lot to the system that, hey, they can't continue to pay 80 bucks a day for anybody who's willing to go in there. I mean, what if they got overwhelmed with these people? Exactly. Especially to to throw someone as harmless as your brother in jail. I don't know Dave very well, but 
from my conversations, interactions with him. He's just a great, all-around, genuinely nice human being who poses no danger to anybody. <laughs> no. His only, his only no. crime is for, you know, objectively showing what these people do. I yeah, mean, the camera doesn't that's, lie. That's, I, I would want to kind of get that message out there, too, to anybody who's thinking about doing this. His strategy is, I think, by far is the best, which is, number one, pretty much kill him with kindness and always be courteous. Um, until it comes to the point where it's going beyond your, uh, you know, what you can agree to, uh, to, what you believe in, and that's what he's done. He's never shown anyone anything other than courtesy, but I think he's, mm-hmm. because of that, I think he's made more of an impact than a lot of people um, who aren't as courteous. Absolutely right. I mean, you don't, from an outsider's perspective, you don't want to listen to somebody who is foaming at the mouth and shouting and being nasty. You want to talk to somebody that is, uh, is being reasonable and calm and collected, especially when it's the bureaucrats that do the shouting and the bureaucrats that uh, that do the nastiness and the violence. Uh, then, it, then there's a real juxtaposition there that I think makes it crystal clear to people that maybe things aren't as they seemed. Of course, people that have, an, have right. been involved in the so-called justice system know that it's a scam, but there are a lot of people that haven't and that they still still believe that this is putting bad people bad people go to jail well no that's nonsense uh, a lot of good people go to jail because the laws are bad and the enforcers are bad and the whole system is, uh, is just rotten to the core the other thing is that a lot of a lot of good people do go to jail and depending on how long their sentence is or how serious their quote unquote crime is they come out not necessarily being all that good because some things happen sure. and uh uh, you come out in debt, and it's not good for one's life. And a lot of times, it takes somebody who is a good person and makes them really jaded. And uh, it's sad, but uh, well, I, I think and we the have fact to that be people, positive. The fact that people ask the question of, well, why would he go to jail for that? You know, I would like to ask those people, what would you go to jail for? <laughs> I mean, have they ever even thought about it? And of what, course not. And what wouldn't you no. be extorted for? What wouldn't you be extorted what for? Wouldn't what wouldn't you? What would you rather take the jail time over ah, yes. paying? Yeah, th- nobody's ever thought about that, and if they did think about it, their gears would turn for a while. You'd you'd listen to some silence for a bit as they thought about it, and uh, who wants to go to jail? Most people don't want to go to jail. They've got a comfy life right where they are. Uh, they don't have to, you know, they if they don't stick their head up above the water, it's not likely to, that it's going to get cut off. Uh, but then again, over time, as tyranny continues to uh, to rise in America, they'll start taking more and more of your money, and you'll start to see more and more violence uh, on the on the part of the state. And maybe eventually they will come for you for something, just like uh, Pastor Martin Niemöller said back in the. 1940s. First they came for the communists, and then they came, you know, for the trade unionists. Eventually they came for me, and there was no one left uh, to stand up because they never stood up before to defend the people they they didn't necessarily agree with. And you know, now they've come for the drug dealers, and they're coming for the Muslims, and uh, they're coming for the immigrants. And they've come for Dave Ridley, a man with a video camera. Who would have thought that uh, something like that could happen here in the United States, the supposed land of the free? Not only did it happen to Dave, it happened to Sam Dodson a few months, uh, like a month or so later after it happened. To, to Dave. I mean, it's just insane what is happening here. But that's what's different that's, about here. You you aren't forgotten if you go to jail, and right. there are people there to stick up for you. Though at this time, it's probably too late for you to get a mail to jail in if you wanted to write to Dave, because he's only in for six days unless they decide to keep him longer for some sort of offense that he commits in jail. Uh, if you were to go to mail-2-jail.com and send something today, it's very unlikely it'll get there by Sunday. So Worst case scenario, they get sent back, and he gets them after he's out. Go ahead, Stephen. 
I, I heard from my dad today, and I, <laughs> classic. He, my dad mentioned that evidently there may have been an issue where <laughs> where Dave didn't want to uh, didn't want to uh, um, reveal his middle initial. I heard about that. Yeah, I heard that he was punished so, for that. So evidently, if you don't reveal your middle initial, you know maybe that's more time. You know. Who uh, so knows? if that does happen, please do. I, I just actually filled one of those out. Please do, please do some mail to Jill. Yeah, everybody. Absolutely. And uh, I want to say one more thing to you guys. I, um, because of Dave, I've been kind of turned on to obviously everything that's happening there and the smart people that are there and, and to your guys' show. And I really appreciate the intellectual, most for the most part intellectual, other than the last conversation I heard a little bit of. About the dwarves. <laughs> Mostly intellectual discourse that you guys have uh, and really just challenging people to think about this stuff. And then the fact that you're skeptical about all the conspiracy stuff that you get on a daily basis is very, it's very encouraging to me because you're able to look uh, objectively at everything and you're able to say to some people, you know, this is, this is kind of a conspiracy. Well, we do, our, we do our best on that and I thank you for the call. It was great hearing from right. you and I appreciate it. But one of the things that's great about this format of Free Talk Live is that there are other people here. So if somebody gets into an unobjective manner where they're not being as critical as they might should be, you can call me on that, Josh. And likewise, I could call you on that or call and the callers Mark on could it. call us both on it. And there's that, too, because we're not going to screen you out. More on the way. Even in these remaining moments, you can take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments, enough time for your call right now, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian here with you. And Josh. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program and want to help support Free Talk Live, one of the most effective ways to do so is by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. They've got dozens of categories in which you can shop a whole lot of items. Whatever it is you're looking for, it's very likely they sell it, and it's likely they're selling it at a pretty good price. In fact, uh, it's also likely you'll get product reviews from people who've actually bought and used the product prior to you, which is great. Amazon.freetalklive.com is where you want to go. As we go to your phone calls... And talk to Enemy of the State in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I just want to talk a little bit about psychology. I sure. listen to the show quite often, and, um, uh, well, a couple of things have piqued my interest. One of which is when we talk about, especially when we talk about kids and, and how to raise them responsibly, uh, one of the things in that the uh, the liberty movement, people who are in the liberty movement, kind of miss in, in psychology theory, is the idea of of punishment and rewards. And um, I've heard it on the show quite often. You know, set up these, especially when raising your kids, set up these ideas for do this, or you'll get that, or do this to get that, or do you know where I'm going here? Mm-hmm. The idea of giving your children a reward for good behavior is that what you're talking about? Right. Yeah. And the idea that I wanted to kind of convey here that I think a lot of people should really pay attention to is is the idea between the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and um, okay define one please. of one of the uh, good theorists on that is Elfie Cohn, although he's he's a big time lefty socialist, but he does pretty good in this area where he talks about that if you take everyone has intrinsic motivation for things they want to do. And, and so coming you, from inside oneself? Yeah, from, from your own 
volition, from your own interest in doing something. And when you, as a parent or you know a, a manager or a leader of any sort, start to put controls in, you start to now take away the intrinsic motivation and replace it with extrinsic. And our schools are, are a, a great example of that, the, the government schools, that everything is based on getting a grade, not on the intrinsic value in learning. Yeah, but isn't the line a little blurred? I mean, before we go into the government schools conversation, let's just go back to parents and, and parenting, because I think that's that's kind of interesting. Because I believe that the you know the whole gold star approach was was very successful with me. I know it was something my parents used, where you know if you're if you do certain things or you're good or whatever the rules are, if you follow the your parents' rules, then they give you a little gold star, and if you get uh, all gold stars for a whole week, then you get some ice cream or whatever it is that the the the, the reward is for filling out the, the, the full chart in, in a good, positive way. You're saying that that's an ex, uh, extrinsic, was it? Uh, intrinsic and extrinsic. Extrinsic, uh, extrinsic You're yeah, saying that's extrinsic, but can't that become intrinsic in that you want to please your parents and therefore you understand that that's going to result in good things for you? That's it. That, couldn't that be considered intrinsic? I mean, that's a... Right, but look at the... Uh, you kind of said it yourself there, Ian, that you're now doing it to please your parents. Well, because pleasing your parents pleases you in a law in the long run because they let you stay in their household with uh, and they give you you know dessert to eat and things like that. I mean, you're essentially their ward at that point. I believe that in a free marketplace, people should uh, young people should be able to emancipate themselves. But presuming they enjoy this uh, the situation they are in, they do have an intrinsic uh, value in in behaving well, so they can continue enjoying that situation on into the future. And do you feel there should be like a balance struck between? positively reinforced and negatively reinforced um, behavior and, and personality building when you're raising a child? Or do you yeah, think? it's it's certainly a balance, and it's a really difficult one to walk because um, we are raised in in a model of Skinnerian behaviorism. All of our, everything we've been taught, every everything in our culture is about do this to get that. And, and it generally... I like to often say, if you can pick anything that you really like to do in your life, like, for example, with Ian, I know you really love to do this radio show, okay? Mm -hmm. Now put me in the position of your manager where I control your punishments and rewards and give me complete control over how you do it, and you'll find that you no longer really like <laughs> what you find intrinsically rewarding because I can well, replace Yeah, your... it's one of the reasons why I like it is because I don't have any managers, <laughs> Right. Exactly. I don't have. You aren't my manager. You're uh, you're a listener, and I appreciate your viewpoint. But you know that doesn't really work with me. But you're right. I mean, if I had, if I were working for uh, for Clear Channel's uh, station doing this show, they would have certain controls over uh, over the programming content, and you're, that would kind of wear away at me, and I would be frustrated by that. Uh, so you're you're correct in that in that statement. Right. So that's why so many uh, liberty-minded people, individualists, um, entrepreneurial types really don't want management they don't want control over them because they want to do things for their own for their own intrinsic value very good so so if you go back to the the parenting thing uh something that a child does that he likes um you know there are certain things that of course as a parent you need to teach and and develop um values for but to take things and and now um to overpraise or to then put a punishment or reward based on how they behave now starts to make them actually re revolt against it or 
on the opposite, and what's more common, is just to be, become completely dependent on, on the punishment reward instead of doing things for their, for their own um, intrinsic I, I can see that. I can see that uh, there'd be a value in explaining to your children that you know, the reason why you want to behave in this way is because it is good for you in the, in the long run. Here is the reason why it's good for you in explaining that to them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a kid, so I don't really know exactly at what age they can begin absorbing those kinds of explanations. But I think they that's how you can help uh, kind of transition from this, this idea of, well, we'll reward you for being good to, well, you will get rewards on your own in life if, you're, if you do the right thing. I mean, life will reward you for taking the, the right path as opposed to doing horrific things or, or being bad where life will punish you. And so it's kind of transitioning from that extrinsic, you need to do this just to get your gold stars and get your ice cream to where you're, you're understanding why you're behaving in a certain, or the, the child is understanding why they're behaving in that manner. Yeah, well, real life isn't about banana stickers and gold stars. Yeah. I mean, there, there are actual rewards one can get that their wealth. Uh, friendship is a good reward. Um, and they do train uh, the children with this uh, extrinsic reward system. I remember in the first grade we had a, a citizenship program. <laughs> and there's a, there's a big billboard that all of these these ladybugs and every time you got a citizenship award you got a little dot on your ladybug i thought i was a nice kid but i never got any citizenship dots so i ended up, <laughs> I ended up with like the poor citizenship stink bug really yeah are you joking about that no i'm serious they really had a poor that, citizenship stink bug well that's just what i'm calling it but it was a spotless stink bug which means i wow. wasn't a good citizen that's amazing Right, see, so there he was doing what he thought was the right thing, and he was probably just not a standout in some way or wasn't a teacher's pet. Yeah. And, um, and so he wasn't getting the rewards, and he was, the, the system was set up for him to depend on him, and it kind of hurt his, um, his, own, his own psyche to a, to a small degree. Yeah, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with positive reinforcement, but I think that uh, that it does deserve an explanation and uh, to go along with it, uh, and you know, encouraging young people to uh, to to do what is the right thing, or at least your viewpoint on uh, what the right thing might be. But I think I see where you're coming from, and that it's what what you seem to be saying is if that's all you have is just a system of rewards and punishments, then it doesn't get to that level of intrinsicness. Yeah, you have to have that sort of. Uh sense of personal accomplishment rather than becoming enamored with some sort of symbolic reward. Right. And the thing is, you know, we call it carrot and stick methodology is essentially what behaviorism is. And everyone thinks that the more carrots they can use, praise and and rewards, the better off they are and the less they have to use the stick, the better. But the truth is that the carrots themselves are, if they're, if you're happy, genuinely happy for someone's achievement and praise them for it, that's good. But when you're using, when you're using praise as a method of control to get them to do what you want them to do rather than what they would choose to do, that's where it starts to become, uh, it's, 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 most people can't even see it, but it's where it becomes uh, harmful because you, 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 you replace their own uh, value and intrinsic motivation to do something with external control by praising. And of course, we're talking about human beings here. Uh, praising works really well when you've got a dog. Like yeah, if you've right. got a dog, praise is what they live for. That's a good example, Ian, because when you look at uh, Skinner's model, which is again where our, our whole psychology comes from, Skinner did all of it based on dogs. Pavlov's dog and, and Ring a Bell, 
but he knew he was going to get food, and he drooled. Enemy of the state, we're out of time. Thanks for the call. Good conversation. I appreciate it. Uh, Josh, great having you in here for the first time. Thanks we'll do it again. Thank you, dude. Uh, 800-259-9231. Expecting Mark back tomorrow night for the live Saturday edition of the program. We'll see you then online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to child protective services you're busted for possession of marijuana hi i'm barry cooper ex-narcotics officer trained by the dea my dvd never get busted has recently received world attention i switched sides and i'm now touring america with the message to end this war on people that has been labeled the war on drugs go to barry's website nevergetbusted.com and order your dvd to never get busted on it i'll teach you secret drug enforcement tactics and how to avoid narcotics profiling, how to conceal your stash, and I'll teach you how to fool drug dogs every time. I'll teach you how police know when you're lying. You'll get to go on patrol with me and watch actual marijuana arrest on the highway and learn the mistakes citizens made that landed them in jail. Go to NeverGetBusted.com and arm yourself with the information you need so you'll never have to hear these words. Get on the ground, mother You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to jail. Log on to NeverGetBusted.com.